Hello, everyone. Welcome to worship. So good to have you with us today. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. It's so good to welcome you, uh, whether you're here in person or worshiping with us online today. So good to have you with us. We're, um, we're continuing a series we started a couple weeks ago. This is week three of that series called Hall of Faith. We're looking at the stories of the scriptures of men and women who followed God in faith and, uh, and walked with him. And uh, today we're talking about Moses. So you'll see that in the readings today about Moses. We also wanna give away some Bibles to our third graders. Our third graders are learning how to read and they have new Bibles. And so if you have a third grader and you did not pick up your Bible on the way in, they are out in the commons on the, uh, on the countertop there. You'll wanna grab that. So right before we have our scripture readings today, we'll present those Bibles to our third graders. Um, also today out in the commons, there is an opportunity. We did this last week as well, but we're doing it this week again. And that is an opportunity to sign up to be a sponsor and a prayer partner with uh, some children down in El Oregonal, Guatemala. We are partnering with a village in Guatemala called El Oregonal. And the idea is that you sign up to be a sponsor and we'll take a picture of you. We'll take that picture down to Guatemala. And this next week on September 30th, they're gonna have a big party down in El Oregonal where they bring the children who are uh, eligible to be sponsored and they'll put up your pictures and the kids get to pick you. Rather than us picking them, we give them the honor and the dignity of uh, having a choice and a voice. And so uh, that'll happen this coming week. So this is really kind of the last chance this weekend to get signed up for that. We have a couple dozen kids who uh, are in need of sponsoring and we want them to be able to choose someone. So out in the commons on the way out today, uh, there are also opportunities online, follow the announcements for that. Um, there is also this QR code up on the screen. So you can uh, take your phone out now if you want and aim it at the screen and it'll take you right to that website. Uh, so um, sponsoring for El Oregano. Uh, also in the commons today and available online is sign up for our Faith in Action Saturday, which is coming up in a little less than a month from now. Uh, October 21st, Saturday, we're gonna send hundreds of volunteers out into the community. If you volunteer, you get a nice blue shirt that says Faith in Action. We have some of them right here today because those are volunteers who are going to sign you up after worship. So uh, you can get one of those if you don't already have one from last year. If you have one from last year, just use the same one. But if you are volunteering for the first time, you'll get a free t-shirt, Faith in Action. Um, also, the last thing we really wanna do before we get going with worship is to, uh, I wanna invite up two women of our congregation uh, who are on our staff. One is new to our staff and the other uh, 
Tracy Sari, who has been on our staff for the last 10 years part-time, recently moved to full-time on our staff to work now. She was in communications, now as our Director of Children and Family Ministry. So Tracy, come on up. And Jessica Ganzen, come on up too. Uh, Jessica is our new discipleship director. She is charged with helping to connect people with opportunities for service and fellowship and learning to grow as disciples of Jesus. So um, I want you to welcome them here in a minute, but we're gonna do a sort of an official installation of these two. We did this over at our Faith Ministry Center two weeks ago and uh, now today here at our celebration site. Uh, First of all, I want you to hear the words of our Lord. I think this is something that embodies these two in their faith as they walk with Jesus. This is is so them. Jesus said, as he called his disciples together, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As I said, these two women, Tracy and Jessica, I think really live those words, not not to be served, but to serve, to give themselves, to die to themselves for the sake of others. And I hope that you'll get to know them and, interact with them in their ministries because they truly are a treasure to our church. Let me ask the two of you, do you believe the canonical books of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? And do you accept the three ecumenical creeds, namely the apostles, the Nicene and the Athanasian creeds as faithful testimonies to the truth of the Holy Scriptures and do you reject the errors which they condemn? If so, then say, I do. And do you solemnly promise faithfully to serve God's people in the ministries to which you have been called in accordance with the word of God, the ecumenical creeds, and the confessions of the church? And will you, trusting in God's care, seek to grow in love for those you serve, strive for excellence in your skills, and adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ with a godly life? If so, then answer, I will with the help of God. Are you ready to assume the responsibilities of this work and say, I am. All right, now let me ask you, brothers and sisters in Christ, you heard their promises. I ask you in the presence of God, will you receive them, show them fitting love and honor and support them by your gifts and fervent prayer? If so, then answer, we will with the help of God. We will with the help of God. Then it is my privilege Tracy and Jessica, to install you in your positions on our staff in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, you you raise up men and women for service in the church and you give them the gifts necessary. You do not call necessarily the qualified, but you qualify those you call into ministry. And you have placed on the hearts of these women a desire to serve you in your church. And you have brought them to be a part of our staff. And we pray that you would continue to bless them, to strengthen them, to equip them, to encourage them in their work, 
that they might be a blessing to your people and raise up your people as disciples of Jesus to the honor and glory of the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen, amen. And would you welcome Tracy and Jessica? <laughs> and now you've seen them, so after worship, Greet them, talk with them, interact with them, just ask them about their ministry. And uh, yeah, and when they call, yeah, just answer and talk. And there's really great people. I think you'll love them. All right, let's move on to worship, shall we? Um, as a part of our act of worship, I want you to stand up. I want you to turn to those who are around you. I want you to greet one another, one another in God's name and uh, just say how wonderful it is to have each other in worship today and greet one another in the Lord. Much love to you all. Let's stay on our feet as we're gonna worship.
Let's transition our hearts to a posture of confession. We come to you, O Lord, with a broken and sinful heart. I must confess my sin to you even when I do not want to. Sin daily. I am struggling to have a heart that is willing to repent. Lord, and bring all of my guilt and sin to you. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Amen. We can only be made new with the work of God's hands. And God has made us new in Christ. He was not content for us to remain in our sin, but he placed all that sin on Jesus. He poured out his own judgment upon sin onto his son so that we would be forgiven. God is faithful even when we are not. We're gonna sing about God's faithfulness here in just a second. Great is thy faithfulness. When we are not faithful, God is faithful for us. And Jesus took your sin that you would be made new. It's my privilege as one of your pastors to announce God's grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven by the blood of the Son of God, the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.
I think one of the things that you'll find about our congregation here at Faith, if you, st- if you stick around, you've been here a while, you know we treasure the Word of God. So we love every year this moment when early in the school year, we give Bibles to our third grade students. So I know we have some of them here anyway. Parents, third graders, come on up here. Come on up, come on up, yep. Oh, so hard to stand in front of everybody. I know. We'll make this easy on you, it's okay. All right. Parents, it wasn't all that long ago when you had your child baptized and you held him or her in your arms and you gave promises. You promised that you would help them to know the word of God, what it means to be a baptized child of God, to worship and to pray. And today, in the presence of God and this congregation, really, I'm going to ask you to renew that promise. Do you promise to, uh, to lead your children in that baptismal promise of knowing the scriptures and knowing what it means to be a baptized child of God? So parents, if you are ready to make this promise again and say yes with the help of God. Now, if you haven't already, place the Bible in your daughter's hands. There you go. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually put your hands on her shoulders and I want you to look her in the eyes. And you can repeat after me. May this word of God be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. May it draw you to Jesus so that you might believe and have life through him. May God bless us as we read and study God's word together. All right, now, our third graders, do you promise to make time for God's word 
Will you read the Bibles? Share the love of Jesus with your families? If so, then answer yes with Jesus' help. Now, this is a partnership, not just with parents and students, but our church rallies around them also to encourage them. So I'm gonna ask you also, just like we did with Tracy and Jessica in their ministries, but now in their learning and growing, will you, the members of the congregation, support them in their learning, in their baptismal journey, promise to encourage these students as they learn uh, the word of God, be models of faith for them and pray for them. If so, answer yes with the help of God. Yes, with the help of God. All right, and let's pray. Dear God, source of all wisdom, wonder, and truth, you have given us your holy word that we might know you and your plan of salvation. You have placed us in families where we might hear your word and grow to love it. These parents and children have made promises today before you. And we pray that you would give them wisdom, and patience to keep those promises. And as they keep your word in their home, may your word keep them safe together and close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can go back to your seats now. Thanks so much for coming up. And now we will turn to the word of God as we hear from the Old Testament book of Exodus and the story of Moses. There's so much more to the story of Moses. Uh, many of the books of the Old Testament actually share parts of the story of Moses as he interacted with God and the people of Israel. We'll see just a portion of that today. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw he had gone over to look, God called, from, called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt.'" 
But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you so that it sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Our second reading is from Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to stand as we join together in this confessing of the creed. This is a summary of our faith. Uh, all the, the Bible teaches us about God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We confess together boldly for the world to hear together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. In 1543, the earth experienced a significant shift. Until 1543, we earthlings enjoyed 
center stage. Fathers put their arms around children and said, as they pointed to the sky, we are the center of the universe. The whole universe revolves around us. Stick a pin in the stellar map and you find earth right at the center of it all, the anchor of the universe. But then came Nicholas, Nicholas Copernicus. He brought his maps, his calculations, his questions, and he challenged what everyone believed that the earth was at the center of it all. And together with another like-minded rebel, Galileo, Copernicus tapped on the collective shoulder of us humans, if you will, cleared his throat and proclaimed, pardon the proclamation, but point at the sun. He said, behold the center of the solar system. Now, by the popular reaction of the time, you'd have thought that Copernicus and Galileo had called the Pope a Baptist. This was not popular. But over time, there was a major shift in the understanding that the human beings of the, of the earth are not the center of the universe. There's a similar tapping of the shoulder, if you will, that took place 3,000 years earlier, nearly 1,500 years before Christ. God sent Moses to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to say, in essence, you are not the center of the universe. The Lord alone is God and you are not. Let my people go. Because up until that point, Pharaoh had near deity status. He was like a God, at least in his own mind and the minds of the Egyptians, full of pride, believing the world revolved around him and everything happened at his say-so. Pharaoh was to be feared and worshiped. You know, so I said that we had part of the story of Moses in our reading from Exodus. And as the story goes on, then we know if, if you followed the story in the past, you've seen the Ten Commandments or the Prince of Egypt or any of these other films that depict the, the story of the Exodus. God worked 10 plagues among the Egyptians that were announced by Moses. And each one of those plagues really was targeted at getting people to understand that the gods of the Egyptians were not really gods. They had no power. Only the Lord God had power over all of those things to challenge the, the power of Pharaoh and to point to the Lord and say, behold, the only true God. Now, even if you don't know the whole story of Moses and the Exodus, you can probably guess how that went over with Pharaoh. Because people don't like to be demoted. <laughs> never have, never will. Not in our time, not in the time of Copernicus, not in the time of Pharaoh. But Pharaoh needed to be put in his place. 
I think of the, the fable of the flea. Do you know this one? An elephant lumbers across a wooden bridge that is spanning across a ravine. And as the elephant crosses over this rickety bridge, it is rumbling and creaking and groaning and swaying under the weight of the elephant. And when the elephant reaches the other side, a flea that has taken up residence inside the elephant's ear proclaims, boy, did we make that bridge shake. Sorry, but what a flea-brained idea. <laughs> this is the sort of attitude, though, that was residing in Pharaoh. Frankly, it's the attitude that is residing in a lot of us. The kind of spirit that says, look at me and look at what I've done. The kind of spirit that believes that the world revolves around me. I want a spouse that makes me happy. Coworkers who always listen to my opinions, whether that suits me, traffic that helps me, a government that serves me. Anyone else find this in their own life? Right, it's like the world is revolving around us. Now to con contrast this flea-brained, it's all about me view of the world, we have Moses. Now, trust me, Moses is not perfect. He did not do this well all the time, maybe not even very often. But when we pick up the story of Moses in Exodus 3, it's when he is tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. This is actually significant. It's not his own flock. It's someone else's property. Now, already that's a mark of humility for Moses in contrast to Pharaoh. But even more, and this is what I wanna focus on, is Moses' response to God when God shows up in the burning bush and calls Moses to go to Egypt. So Exodus 3, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land. So now go. God says to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is a huge task. Now, sometimes my wife asks me to do something I think is beyond me. Um, like when she asks me to help the kids with math or something. And I'm thinking that, like uh, probably my reaction is as if she had asked me to bring peace to the Middle East or something. You know, it's like this big thing. Uh, solving algebra problems, uh, tutoring in math, this is nowhere close to what God was asking Moses to do. Go to Egypt, say to this God, King, Pharaoh, hey, you're not all that, okay? Let my people go. It's an enormous undertaking. And Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? 
and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, I think the popular view of this is that Moses is just, you know, resisting God's call, sort of like generations later when Jonah was called by God to go to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. Instead, he goes the opposite direction, right, to Tarshish. Um, maybe Moses is a bit re resistant. Later, it actually sounds like Moses is starting to make excuses. You know, he says, Lord, I have never been eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. Another way of saying, who am I, right? Who am I that I should go? Eventually, Moses even said, Lord, please send someone else to do this. And you might think, well, of course, this is such a big thing. Who would actually think that they could take this on? Well, being the president of the United States is a big deal. And there are a whole lot of people vying for that position, right? thinking that they've got strength in themselves to do it and proclaiming to everybody that they're the right person for the job. That is the opposite spirit of Moses. Who am I? Now on the surface, it might sound like Moses is making excuses, resisting God's call, but there's something deeper, something deeper that is going on here which is consistent with what we see over and over in the Bible. Moses is exactly the kind of person that God wants for his work. The one who recognizes that the work is way beyond him. This is, what we, what we do not have is Moses saying, well, it's about time you recognize my skill. You ask the right guy, I'm your man. We don't have that. We don't have the flea about to walk across a bridge saying, we are about to shake things up. Right? No. This is, I'm not worthy. I don't even know where to begin. Moses is saying, this is beyond me. At the beginning of worship, we had two women standing up here, Jessica and Tracy. And we have brought them as a church into positions of leadership and service in our church. And I have heard both of these women express, not necessarily in these exact words, but express this understanding. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Are you serious? You want me to do this? Who am I? I hardly feel that I'm good enough or have enough experience to do this. And you're asking me? But they also have this wonderful spirit of saying, God, you're calling me to something. You're calling something way beyond me and I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve. First Corinthians chapter two, the apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, which is in Greece. And Paul says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. 
I came to you in weakness, in fear, with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul is saying he was not worthy and he did not have the strength or power in himself to do the ministry God had called him to, to affect the faith of the people that listened to him and to whom he wrote. Here, here's, here's the bottom line. And I think we're gonna see this over and over and over again in this series called Hall of Faith. Bottom line is this, God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Over and over and over again, we're gonna see that God does not choose the most obvious. And we're gonna see this over and over and over again in our series because we see it over and over and over again in the scriptures. So a man named Gideon was afraid, was a wimp, and God did something amazing with him. David, the youngest in his family, the least obvious to be chosen as king, and God made him king. Matthew, a tax collector and hated by his people, God called to be one of his disciples. Peter, who is a hot-headed, blue-collar worker, not the kind of uh, man that rabbis would choose to be their disciples. But Jesus calls him to be chief of his disciples. In fact, the, the book of Acts points out the fact that the disciples were unschooled, ordinary men jumped out to people. The fact that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but doing this amazing work in Jesus was right in people's face. It amazed them. They were astonished. And they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. I wanna go back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, brothers and sisters, think, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. If God chose you because you were qualified for what he calls you to, you might have some success. You might have uh, some accomplishments and you start to think, well, of course it's working because I'm just that good, right? You might start thinking, well, of course we're rocking this out because we're smart, hardworking, talented people. But when God calls people who are not up to the task, when the task is way bigger than the person that's called, you have to realize that God is doing something to demonstrate his power, not people's power. So Paul says, God chose the foolish things of the world. He chose the weak things of the world, the lowly things, the things that are not 
so that no one may boast before him. As it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So when we're in this series and we're looking at all these men and women uh, whose stories are recorded in the Bible, we're talking about them not because in themselves they are heroes, we're talking about them because they point us to what matters for us too, and that is living and walking by faith. And faith, what did we talk about last week? Is being certain of what you do not see. You memorize this, right? All of you memorized it? Faith is being certain of what you do not see. Your eyes might see someone who is unqualified. Faith sees someone that because of Jesus, because the power of the Holy Spirit is up to the task, not in ourselves, but in the power of God. What Moses did, he did in the strength of the Lord. Exodus 3.12, at Moses' question, who am I that I should go? God said in response, I will be with you. I will be with you. God didn't just send Moses, he went with Moses. So when Moses spoke to Pharaoh and convinced him to let the people go, when, when Moses lifted up his hands and the waters parted in the Red Sea, it wasn't Moses' eloquence that convinced Pharaoh, it wasn't his strength that parted the sea, it was God's power. And this is no different for us. Whatever accomplishments we have, whatever success we experience, it's all from God's faithful, loving, and gracious hand. Whatever we have that is good, it is from God. So what, what God was doing in Moses is challenging this people-centered understanding of the universe and the world. What God did through Moses for Pharaoh, what Copernicus did to the earth, God does to our souls. He taps our collective shoulders and he points to his son and he says, behold, the center of it all. I want to finish with this last few verses from Ephesians chapter one in the New Testament. This is from the Message Bible. It's a paraphrase of the exact words of Paul. He says, God raised Christ from the death, from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. And at the center of it all, Christ rules. He rules the church, he rules the world, he rules it all. Amen?
as our band is coming back up, let me just say a word of thanks. As we're collecting our offerings, our gifts to the work of the church, it's an act of our worship that we recognize we are not the center of it all and what God has given to us, he is entrusted to us because he is the Lord of all. We give back a portion of what he has entrusted to us for the work of his kingdom. So thank you for that, whatever that is that you're sacrificing and giving for our work here. It allows us to do the work of ministry. And uh, let's sing this next song as God is calling us deeper and higher. Save 
God, you are often calling us to places that are beyond our understanding, beyond our own strength. You're calling us into a way of life that is beyond our our making come about just by our own strength. You're calling us into places that are difficult and sometimes painful and and full of full of, uh, of violence and resistance and, and hatred, full of uh, brokenness. You're calling us to restoration out of our brokenness and you're calling us to share the love of Jesus with a world that seems to be increasingly resistant to hearing of Jesus. Yet in it all, Lord, we trust that though the task is beyond us, it is not beyond you, and that you go with us. And though we cannot see you, our faith assures us that you are with us and you walk where you've called us to go. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to give us courage, give us that faith to trust, to follow you into places unseen and unknown, but to you. Lord, we lift up our prayers today on behalf of those who are in need. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are sick or recovering from surgery, those who are facing surgery, those who are nearing death, those who are struggling with anxiety and depression, those who are battling with addictions and other illnesses. We lift up to you, Lord, Mike Klee, as he's recovering from heart surgery. And we pray for Jerry Albright as he is facing upcoming heart surgery. We pray for Tammy Banky's niece as she is dealing with her own health issues. And for Ruth Abraham, we pray that you would strengthen them, Lord, physically, but most especially in spirit, strengthen their faith. We lift up to you, Lord, those who are grieving today. We pray for the family of Russ Rustler, who passed away this last week. We pray that you would give them comfort, assurance of life eternal, and that assurance of the resurrection and the reunion with their loved ones. God, we celebrate also with all those who are remembering your special blessings in this life. We know that every good gift comes down from you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for uh, Niles Schleitweiler and pray for his baptism this weekend. As he is brought to the waters of baptism, we pray that you continue to encourage him and help him to grow in faith as his parents, his sponsors, and the church all together lead him to understand what it means to be a baptized, beloved, adored child of God. And we lift up to you those who are celebrating anniversaries. We pray for Al and Laura Welch as they celebrate 10 years together. 
Scott and Shlisa Baim at 15 years together. God, we rejoice with Mick and Carol Mansell celebrating 50 years and David and Carol Davis celebrating 53 years of marriage. Thank you for the example they are. We thank you for the love shared and the service given to one another. And pray that you continue your good work in each of these couples, that they might be a model of your love and faithfulness to your bride, the church. These and all our other prayers, which we name before you in silence in our own thoughts, we lift up to your throne of grace, Lord, trusting that you hear us for Christ's sake. And now we pray as he taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this one last song about the Lord's love never failing.
together for my good.